With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. And, of course, the movie uh, that we are focusing on is Purple Rain. Uh, shout out to my man Patrick working really hard for us for midweek movie music. We take songs from a soundtrack of a movie that uh, my man Patrick was inspired by, uses those selections, and we're supposed to guess exactly what inspired midweek movie music based on these selections played. It was easy. Uh, first uh, song, Harge and I both got it. It's Purple Rain. Makes sense. Purple Kryptonite last week overcame K-State. K- this week, you got to overcome one more Purple Kryptonite team, and that's TCU. They come in, ranked as a top five team. Just had... Uh, my man CDC on for Harsh Knock Life because Harsh knows every damn body. Uh, and reached out to CDC and got him on. Great interview there. So I appreciate you, my man Harsh, uh, working hard for us. We appreciate that. Fans man. really enjoyed it on the Specs text line. No too. doubt. No doubt. CDC always <laughs> giving it to us raw and uncut, just letting us know, calling us out, having fun, and just yeah. talking about his life. You know what I'm saying? Talking about the, the move that he had to make from TCU, spent 10 years there. Help build that mm-hmm. program. Gary Patterson obviously is going to be a major talking point for a lot of people because of his time at TCU as well. But it, it, it was good to hear his side of it and what all the great things that are happening now on the 40 acres as well. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and if you want to be a part of the show, please hit us up on the Specs text line. You're the heartbeat of this thing. 512-337-3776. You also hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. Harge is at Hardball Harge. The real MVP, Patrick Davis, said it's Patrick Davis. Uh, all right, let's get to some Texas TCU breakdown here. There's so many different angles uh, that we can come at this thing from. Um, and Texas have been talking about this, and we've talked about it, of course, on this show as well, just talking about TCU, but obviously this, this week uh, more of a focus on it. They've had a lot of really good luck on their side as it relates to the opposing quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, they knocked out Dylan Gabriel when they blew out Oklahoma, um, then they faced banged up or backup quarterbacks as uh, opposing starters versus Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and West Virginia. 
So you are talking. That's I mean that's now they're they're not playing dirty, so they're not knocking quarterbacks out intentionally. Uh, they played physical enough to bang up some quarterbacks. They're a fast defense. They get to uh, the opposing quarterback, and um, they've actually you know obviously had the advantageous position mm-hmm. of having not their starter actually because their starter got knocked out too. That's pretty much right. the storyline of the Big Twelve. Everybody except Iowa State, I guess. Well, Deckers has been there the whole time. I think much. I, I was yeah. say, is, is I was like the only team that's had their quarterback the entire season. I believe, I believe so. I think that's true. I believe I, so. I think every nope, West Virginia. JT Daniels. No, I thought he got knocked out of did one he? game too. Did he? But you okay. may be correct. But I, I I'm not I believe sure. that maybe it's those two that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe Jack. I haven't watched. Trust me, I stopped watching West Virginia when Texas beat <laughs> when the hell we, out after of them. we beat them. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Right. I, stopped, I stopped watching them. But you, you can be right about that. So it would only be two. Um, yeah. That's the case. Everybody else has needed, not just had guys to play. They needed their backups to go win games. Um, and TCU has found themselves in the advantageous position of being on the other side of that. And I will say this, you know, for for TCU. You know, for Max Duggan, because like I said, he's a backup too. Of all these stories where the backup has came in, because Texas had Hudson Carr come in and he won games for him and played at a really high level, had his best game ever yep. uh, as a starter uh, coming in as a backup when Quinn Ewers was hurt. There's no question Max Duggan has uh, exceeded more uh, most people's expectations coming in as the backup for TCU. I mean, he could thrust himself into the Heisman conversation potentially for sure if he ends up beating Texas and having a great game on top of it yeah he is definitely the one that we continue to look at and say okay this might have changed their season you came into the year talking about Chandler Morris we all agreed hey I kept saying Max Duggan but I was just like Chandler Morris you saw something in him you saw something about his play I said I said he would win the job. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. And you I said su- he would win the job because he was a more proven passer. Correct. At the time. Correct. Then and that is exactly and that's, and that's why exact, he won the job. And that's what Sonny Dykes <laughs> loves yeah. is a passing quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Yes, that is perfect. Yeah. And unfortunately for Morris, he gave that opportunity back to Max, well, and Max hurt. took off yeah. with it, and he hadn't relinquished it. And I, I think sometimes. When you are that guy and you get your job taken away from you mm-hmm. and you see it come back to you, you're not giving it back because oh, no. you know you're right. I've already seen it all. I've already played in these games. Yes, you may have got it, but now you're going to have to take it back from me. And, I, and again, he could be knocked out of a game and that dude's trying to get back in it because mm-hmm. he knows I'm not relinquishing this. And to your point, he's played unbelievable football. And if he goes out this week, and play the way that he's played all up until this point, he could thrust himself right in the mix for a Heisman Trophy. Yeah, depending on how he closes out the season. Exactly. Right? If exactly. they're in the mix for the college football playoff, uh, the, the biggest reason for it will probably end up being Max Duggan in his for play. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's been he's been great for them. And, yes, they have had the luck of playing teams with their backup quarterbacks. But, I, like I said, they're dealing with it, and everybody else has to deal with it. So I, that really can't be an excuse as to why they are undefeated Correct. and why they've uh, had you know such a tremendous season so far. That's just a problem. Everybody in the Big 12 has had to deal with, and some have have handled it better than others. Here's my big issue in this matchup for Texas and for TCU, by the way. And I and I can't believe that the numbers are this glaring, but they are. TCU and Texas pass defense are both porous. They're 
<laughs> they're really have you seen it? Yes. The numbers are terrible. Yes. Texas is 101st in pass defense. Mm-hmm. TCU is 95th in pass defense. So they're both really bad in pass right. defense. Uh, that's why I think you over. end up. Yeah, you can, exactly. That's why you take, take the, the over, over. And you can end up getting the shootout. Right. right? So they, right. that tells you take the over. Right. Um, I think that for both of these teams, it could come down to just a simple, um, really a simple strategy. Who can limit explosive plays? And who can do it uh, really for Texas? Who can do it best in a passing game with their pass defense? Limiting explosive plays. I went and looked at it for TCU. This is how glaring this is. It's scary. 20-plus yard pass plays allowed. Only Vanderbilt, Hmm. West Virginia, Arkansas, Ohio, and Charlotte. So only five teams have allowed more explosive pass plays than TCU. Yeah. That's it. Only five. They're 131 teams. That's what I was going to say. Only five have allowed more than TCU. (laughs) Right. They've allowed a ton of explosive pass plays. Um, If you go look at explosive plays, overall 20-plus yard plays, I'm thinking about, all right, 20-plus yard plays. Only U of H, uh, Hawaii, South Florida, Vanderbilt, Ohio, Colorado, Georgia Southern, and Charlotte have allowed more 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage overall mm-hmm. than TCU. So only eight teams have allowed more total 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage, and only five teams have allowed more 20-plus yard pass plays in TCU. Well, that's the that is to me going up against a Texas team that right now is at their explosive peak offensively. It oof, seems like yeah, uh, that is a that's a good recipe for Texas. Well, the other part of it is too. You're going to look at this game, and yes, those explosive plays play a huge part into it. But also, what TCU likes to do turn you over. It's the turnover game, and they're if you yeah, they're very opportunistic. They they go for the big play and they give up the big play. No, you know, you talk high about risk, the, high reward. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. and and that's one of the main things too. Because what mm-hmm. ends up happening is they create those turnovers in those crucial times where yeah, it's bending, bending, bending. They're not breaking, but what they'll end up do is thinking, making you think that oh yeah, I got to play here, and then they'll turn you over. And you end up losing the game because of those situations. So I'm with you on that. They they will give up a ton a ton of passing yards. And that is why this is the to me, and we'll talk about it on our pregame, but we'll talk about it the rest of the week. The biggest part of this game this week for me is gonna be the accuracy of Quinn Ewers. Mm. It's gonna be a huge part of it because we've been talking about it since the very beginning of the season, Rod. You've been giving us the numbers. Sark likes that big play. He's going to take his chances. He's going to give it a shot early. He's going to give it to you often. But the problem is they haven't been hitting those mm-hmm. big plays. Yeah. And if they start hitting those big plays, then we'll see an offense that we've been thinking we were going to see from the very beginning of the season. If you can't hit those big plays versus TCU, you can't hit them. If you can't hit those big, deep Love bombs it. versus TCU – then it's just not in the cards. It's not something this year mm-hmm. that, it, you know what I mean, it's not yep. going to materialize right. this season. Maybe in the offseason work on it, the timing, the chemistry. But like I said, TCU, they've been giving it up all year long to everybody. All of the deep passing game. And Texas has the best receiver in the conference, the best running back in the conference, best tight end in the conference, probably the best left tackle in the conference too. You are going up, going up, they're probably going up against, if I go look at their schedule so far, mm-hmm. this may be the most prolific offense personnel-wise that they've seen all year. Correct. 
right? Correct. And I would agree with that. Right? And they've yeah. allowed a lot of explosive plays prior to uh, this game to teams that are less formidable offensively. Mm-hmm. I think that Texas is not going to have their way with TCU, right? TCU's a good team. But I think Texas is going to be able to move the football no consistently, doubt. at least in the first half. We'll address the second half later. But in the first half, Texas should be able to move the football consistently and effectively. And the question Texas is going to have to ask themselves is really, do we want to just get into an old-fashioned shootout and say, F it, let's just go into a shootout, guns are blazing here? Or do we want to run the rock enough, control the game, control the clock, control the momentum, Mm -hmm. and keep that other explosive offense off the field because our defense – Although has been improved, and our rush defense one of the best in the country, the Texas pass defense, as we just talked about, not necessarily up to the task of going up against the best wide receiving core that they face so far. A first round wide receiving prospect in Quentin Johnson and Max Duggan, who's one of the national leaders in passer rating. Uh, right. So it's, yeah, you got, so you got you got to weigh that. You're yeah, like, you, yeah, you can score. Yeah. And I think Sark right now, hell, man, I want to say sixty five plus percent. Of the time, Texas doesn't even – they don't even get to third down. They right. get a first down on right. – fir- they get a first down right. on first or second down. They even get to third down. So it's great. You can decide, you know, we're getting to a shootout, a score as much as possible uh, and as as quick as possible. Right. And that could be great. But the Kim Kardashian, Nick Minaj, Serena size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size, but there would be – I should throw Beyonce, but the, that making the second size, but hey, is, <laughs> is yeah, you're gonna expose your defense a lot, right? And then you're gonna feed into the shootout. So yeah. I still believe it's gonna be a shootout, regardless, just because of TCU believes that they can create a mismatch on the run game. I haven't seen it. I know they got a good run game. They've been. You talk about the confusion in the backfield, and mm-hmm. that's how they get a lot of their big burst plays. Yeah. I think Texas has found something in their running game. I think Texas still needs to use the screen more, start doing certain things. But I still believe this game is going to be a shootout strictly because of both of these teams. Both of these teams like to take their chances down the field. They have big play wide receivers. They have tight ends. They have other guys. They have backs that can take it to the house. They do, but see, this is the thing. This is why for Sark, you got to be careful about. Agree. You know, being lured into oh, this is a shootout, and we're taking shots downfield. And yes, like I said, if you can't complete the deep shot against TCU, you can't do it. Then there's no hope for you. Completely. Completing deep <laughs> shots, you just need to, you know, kind of go back to the drawing board uh, when it comes to that. But if you start looking at it, I do wonder if Texas will decide, no, 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 pounding the rock, mm. that's the way to go. Limit TCU's possessions. Only give them a certain amount of possessions. If you go full throttle, shoot out, score as quick as possible, taking deep shots. This is my thing. This is my concern with Sark because you know he's going to chase that deep shot until he gets it. Now, against TCU, you should get it early and it should – uh, you know, validate him, um, gratify him enough where basically you have that Steve Sarkeesian play calling swagger and not the insecure uh, play calling uh, that we've seen from Steve Sarkeesian in the second half of games where he gets a little bit conservative, goes into a little bit of a shell. 
Um, but if he gets that shot early, great. But if he doesn't mm-hmm. get that shot early, Sar- uh, Harge, you know Sark's going to keep chasing it. Yes. And that could put you, put you behind in this game because TCU, they take shots, and they actually are good at – Hitting their shots. Right. Um, next, Duggan has a seventy. I think it's a seventy-five percent catchable ball rate on passes, fifteen yards or more downfield. That's the best in the Big Twelve. He throws a really catchable ball deep downfield. It also helps to have uh, Quinn Johnson down there. You're throwing the ball to. Who so possibly they, can play. Yeah, so Bathy, Texas, and TCU give up chunk yardage plays in the passing game. Both of them are really bad at that. Texas hasn't been effective or efficient at completing. Deep chunk yardage passes downfield, but TCU has. Right. You get me? Yeah. So both of y'all are bad at giving them up, right. but Texas hasn't been completing a lot of them, but That's TCU the has. Difference. You might want to avoid that kind of shootout happening unless you got the proper artillery. And right now, Texas doesn't. They don't hit a lot of deep shots like that. They have the downfield. artillery. They're shooting a lot of blanks right now. Well, whatever you want. Yeah. That, that's, to me, that's not the problem. It means you're going into right. a gunfight with blanks. <laughs> right. And that ain't good either. Bang, bang. You got but Marty you got, Fife over there? Yeah, but you got yeah. a Bijan. Yep, and Bijan can do. slow it all down, yep. and maybe it's not your traditional shootout, but you know Bijan will break his fair share as well. For sure. And, but you'll control the game more as opposed to getting into that shootout, and I think that's kind of what TCU would rather happen too because I think if it's an sh- old-fashioned shootout, TCU could have somewhat of an advantage just because they complete more of their deep shots downfield than Texas does. So when you're looking at this game right now from, the vi- from all the film that you've broken down and what you've seen thus <laughs> far – the the advantage for Texas would be running the ball, I would think. It, right it, 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 to me, because I still it, believe it's always going to be that. Put yeah, Bijan exactly. Because I think you have yes. a a a really a seismic advantage <laughs> yep. with Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you could yes, you still be able to score points, but I think you control the game a little bit more. You don't get sucked into the shootout because you're shoot if you get into a shootout, it's great. You it's can score with them, yeah. but you, you're gonna expose your defense. Yep. Now TCU's defense will be exposed too. And you can say, okay, well, we'll just get into an old-fashioned shootout. But like I said, I would be a little bit concerned about that as a Texas fan because in the second half, you don't really have any artillery. You yep. don't really have any yep. weaponry. At least it showed in the second half last two games. You want to take that chance? To me, I'd rather just control the game, limit possessions for them. You can take your shots. But if you were going to do an old-fashioned shootout, to a certain extent, you're going to take Bijan out of the game. You don't want to do that. Right. You can't do that. Right. Not, 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 n- there's no way he should shots. ever be yeah. out of the game. That's why, yeah, and it limits, uh, the, it limits Quinn Ewer's mistakes that he would make by just taking shots downfield, which, by the way, he hasn't been really efficient at. And I know Sark's going to get, he's going to get his shot. And he's going to make sure that he hits one downfield. But my thing was, man, the recipe right now is Bijan. Right. Well, Put some Bijan on it. And again, let's not forget, it could be in the 40s or 30s. Going into the second half of this game, very true. Oh, where yeah, if it's teams go- forty-two degrees, yeah. do you really want to trust yeah. your wide receivers to be going out there and diving for balls, trying to catch when it hurts that bad to catch the ball? Yeah, or do you want to trust? Hey, man, hold the ball. It's going to hurt Bijan, but you you you're used to it. Yeah, he's hey. going. They're, they're going to be ready to play in this type of situation because once you get out there, Rock can Rock can attest to this. Once you get out there and you playing. You don't even feel that weather no more. It's, it's about you getting out there and being locked in and ready to go. But I still, too, believe, you know, when you look at the conference, just the Big 12 conference rushing leaders, it's Bijan Robinson with 818 yards, 5.8 carries per game, and Keandre Miller. He's running uh, 759 yards, 6.6 mm-hmm. yards per carry, 
with nine touchdowns, with nine touchdowns. So to me, we're going to see two of the best backs in this league. Obviously, we know what be, uh, what the Texas rushing defense did against um, Deuce mm. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Now they're getting another opportunity to go against this kid who – by the way, if you go back, because I actually watched this game, not when I was watching Prince, but I watched <laughs> this game uh, the other day. He was running the hell out of the ball last year, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Miller was getting his his chunk mm-hmm. yardage. It's had Zach Evans there, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be one of those games where we're going to see two featured backs who can control the line of scrimmage. They can run the ball well, but they're also effective in the passing game as well. So that's going to be the cat and mouse, the the chess match between these two teams, offensively and defensively. Yeah. No, we'll get into that a little bit more in Rod's round of the day um, because I, we'll just continue breaking this down. I think Texas saving grace in this matchup um, is going to be really the most consistent part of this defense all year long. We'll get into that in Rod's round of the day. Before we do, uh, tell the folks about uh, your friends. Yeah, we got to make sure we get holler at Kenneth Banks. You know, right now, financial advisors, a lot of them, their game plan is just talking about, let's ride it out. We got to see. I know that this market volatility is something different, but do yourself a favor and just ride it out. You don't want to do that. You want to talk to somebody that's going to help you navigate through this crazy market roller coaster. That's my friend Kenneth Banks with Equitable Advisor Austin. Kenneth is one, a person that will definitely work with you and look at you as an individual, not as dollars or whatever stats you're trying to bring to him. He's going to make sure that he's going to do what's best for you. Does your um, financial advisor call you back when you reach out to them? Kenneth Bank will do that. He will call you within 24 hours and get with you to talk about that plan. Talk to Kenneth today at 901-679-9157, and together you can plan your future to find out what's best for you at this volatile time. Don't just ride it out with the other guys. Talk to my man Kenneth Banks, 901-679-9157, and he will make sure that he takes care of you. That's Kenneth Banks with Equitable Advisors Austin. All right, we come back. We'll get into Rod's rant of the day. We'll continue our breakdown of the Purple Kryptonite, uh, Texas versus TCU this weekend. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Down the Horn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Time to get to Rod's Round the Day. And of course, we're discussing Purple Kryptonite, even Purple Rain actually being the focus of midweek movie music. So uh, a lot of purple discussion. Even had CDC on, courtesy of my man Harge for Harge Knock Life. So we appreciate him opening up the contact list again. And turns out, you know, not only does CDC give us the business a little bit, um, take, some, take some shots at us, which I appreciate. It's all good. <laughs> he's, he's comfortable now on Ball Don't Lie. We no want doubt, him to be comfortable. No that means we can take some shots at him next time he comes on. But he, he called me Babes. So, uh, bless you. He did. I'm assuming that that's a CDC gave me a nickname random. He's like, hey, Babes. And I was yeah. like, Babes? What? Hey, what? Hey. what? Huh? Babes? 
Hey, babes, you played here. Yeah. I was like, what? Oh, I don't think I've ever been called babes before. So I'm except, assuming, for, except for from your wife. Yeah, well, yeah. And it's not, not, not because of the nickname yeah, yeah. Or, the, or the last name. It's because, right. oh, hey, baby, and I get to see you. Yeah, so yeah. babes, I believe it was because of babers, but yeah. hey, I'll take it. So CDC, um, I'm assuming that's an affectionate nickname he gave me, babes. Big so perm. We're going to call him perm for Big now. Big perm got you. Since he, he basically revealed to us that he thought about getting the perm. Because of Dr. J. Because he wanted to be like Dr. J. <laughs> now we're going to call him Big Perm. That's, that's right. Gonna be, uh, there that's you right. go. Affectionate nicknames being thrown around. We appreciate CDC joining us, man. That was a great interview. Uh, and we'll get that posted for the people who didn't get a chance to hear it uh, at, uh, at uh, hornfm.com. All right. Let's talk TCU, gentlemen. Let's get into it. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think is really in Texas' favor here, advantageous to Texas. I've talked about this a little bit yesterday. The more research I do on it, um, I think it could end up being the saving grace for Texas in this matchup. And ironically, you could argue it was the reason they won the game versus K-State. It's that interior D-line or your rush defense specifically. So I don't want to say that, but it starts with the interior D-line. It starts with that group. But uh, Jalen Ford is playing at an extremely high level, an all-Big 12 level. And I'll even admit, Ovia Gofu and Baron Sorrell, the guys you're putting it on the edge, they're playing much better too. They are not a liability like they were last year. Uh, but the truth is, Texas has one of the better rush defenses in the Big 12. It's not one of the, one of the better rush defenses in the country right now. Haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. Harsh brought that up prior to the K-State game. And, and we all thought, I think the reason you brought it up because you're like, well, it ain't going to last right, through this game. So let me make sure I drop this little <laughs> nugget on y'all. let y'all know up front. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't allowed a 100-yard rush yet, but they're about to face Deuce Vaughn and likely Adrian Martinez. And I think we saw yep. Adrian Martinez start. We went, okay, well, they'll definitely get between these two. Right. One of these guys will hit 100. Not the case. Uh, point of pride. I was talking to uh, Kenny Vaccaro earlier today. and He's like, no, you can tell right now it's a point of pride for him. Yep. I, I guarantee you yep. when you go talk to the guys in that locker room, they're talking about, no, no, nobody gets a hundred on us. Nope. Nobody's hitting a hundred on us. And they kept Deuce Fun from getting to hundred. As a matter of fact, it was K-State's second worst rushing performance Correct. of the season uh, in totality. So the, the, the thing I'm ta- saying is basically the Texas rush defense is legit. It, it's the real deal. It, it's There ain't nothing fake about it. Uh, I think K-State and Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein, they insulted Texas a bit by starting Adrian Martinez because their thought process was, oh, we're going to run the rock on Texas. Correct. And you sitting there looking at it like, mm, and you I chose poorly. <laughs> you don't run the rock on Texas. Agreed. It's hard for anybody to just run the rock. On the, you may get some. You may run. They only have allowed six uh, rushing plays of twenty plus yards all year long. Now you may make some plays, and early on, look at K State. They ran the rock early on. Adjustments were made. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, once these adjustments are made on defense, I don't see even TCU just running it down Texas's throat. I don't. Not saying they're not going to play, make plays in the running game. They will. They may have some explosive plays, but not taking them to the house. Explosive yeah. plays. And Max yeah. Duggan, he's going to make some plays scrambling and in design runs. Uh, Keandre Miller as well. But I just have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to dominate Texas with the ground game. And I think that's going to be the saving grace for Texas. Because I talked about this yesterday. You go look at a TCU. They force. All right. They dictate that you have to play them with light boxes. That's the beauty of their running game. That's why they have the best running game Sonny Dykes has ever had. Because 
because of the formation and the alignment of the receivers, they take defenders out of the box. And with their personnel package, they displace good defenders in the run game with bad ones. <laughs> so they get your DBs basically close to the line of scrimmage with wing sets and uh, condensed sets or tight formations, uh, flex formations. And then they have their tight ends and their running backs blocking your DBs at the second level. That's really what they want to do. And they do a really good job of it. But for Texas, even though Texas is going to have to play a lot of this game against TCU with light boxes, uh, they play nearly 30% of their offensive snaps. They force teams to play with five or fewer defenders in the box. All right, that's just a really good scheme by them uh, with that air raid offense for uh, Garrett Riley and Sonny Cumbie. But why Tech? This is why Texas actually matches up well. Remember, I, I said in that Oklahoma State game, I thought PK uh, miscalculated the K, the uh, Oklahoma State offense because Mr. Sanders was hurt and couldn't throw the ball downfield uh, deep or outside the numbers. Hell, they were relegated to throwing just slant routes, throwing swing routes for the running backs and wide receiver screens. And if that's all they're going to throw, then why the hell we got to match them in the box? You should have went with light boxes and then devoted all the resources to stopping those three or four pass concepts that they kept throwing. They kept beating Texas with. Texas didn't adjust with the light box, and they got beat by Oklahoma State. I think against TCU, and like I said, I, I, I hypothesize you could play it early this year. They're going to be forced to play light boxes versus TCU, but they can do it. They got the best run uh, defending linebacker in the Big 12 in Jalen Ford, and they have the best interior defensive lineman. They go five deep on the interior line, so it'll be fresh, whether it be Coburn or Murphy or you're talking about Sweat throw, throwing him out there. Hell, sometimes they throw Collins out there. I mean, they, they are really a, a deep group on that interior D-line, and I think that could be the saving grace because they're going to have to play, like I said, six Six guys in the box, sometimes five light boxes to defend the alignments and the formations of TCU. And when Texas does that, or when any team does that, they're vulnerable. I don't think Texas will be as vulnerable in that situation as most teams just because their rusty fish has been so stout. And their D-line, interior D-line, is so deep. And if I'm Very there, deep. I would I would switch it up a little bit. I know, you know, depending on their alignments, they put Baron Sorrell out there and they put Ovia Gofu out there on the edges. I wouldn't doubt if you saw more, you know, better run defenders on the D-line on the defensive front for Texas versus TCU. Because I think that should be the, you know, that'll be the priority for that group. Because you're going to be playing, like I said, with light box. You're not going to be able to stack and stuff that box. No, you TCU can't. doesn't allow you to do it. No. Uh, but Texas, like I said, they have the personnel to, to really be effective with a light box. They, they, it, it's plays perfectly actually into what Texas has been doing so far this year but it will be a big game on Jalen Ford once again and on the interior D-line they got a man up they got to win their one-on-ones consistently all game long if they do you'll force TCU to become a one-dimensional team now they'll be one-dimensional going up against your weakness right, right? I was just about their to strength say. going to be your weakness yeah. but it's always better to have a team one-dimensional rather than them that it beat you as a balanced group because once they're one-dimensional Texas leads the country in pressures so Texas can get to Max Duggan can they get him down different discussion they can get to Max Duggan can they keep him from completing a pass different discussion but they'll get there well, they've been getting there all year long well one of the things you brought up earlier in, in your conversation with Vaccaro is the fact that they take pride in their their rush defense so that is why you would have to flip it over and try to see if they can throw the ball. And I, I'm with you. I believe that front four, regardless of who it may be, whatever rotation you yeah. want to play, they're all effective enough. 
and they understand what it's about. They take pride in it. Yep. Jalen Ford's going to be ready to play. I think DeMarvin Overshawn is going to be ready to play. And whoever else you want to put out there as the other linebacker, I think they're all going to be ready to play. The biggest question is going to be, how effective is is my man Ryan Watts going to be on that boundary side? Because you can roll your coverage to kind of take away Quentin Johnson. It's more about that short side. And is Ryan Watts back to being Ryan Watts health-wise? Uh, because we'll he's working his way back into it. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't know exactly how they're going to try to test uh, Ryan Watts. Most of my, I imagine, will be, as I've pointed out, for months now, it'll be out of bunch formations. It'll Correct. be stacked formations. They won't allow him to go one on one with Quentin Johnson. And if they do, they'll take that. Listen, this is what Iowa State did. Iowa State said, if you're going to give us uh, your boundary corner one on one with our guy with no help, we're just going to put Xavier Hutchinson we out there. Take our He's our NFL guy. We got a 50 50 shot at that. We'll take it. That's those good odds in, the, in, in football. I got a 50 50 shot at getting it, at beating this guy. I'll take it because my guy. He's going to play on Sunday, so I'll take it. He'll win more often times than not, and they'll do the same thing with Quentin Johnson. So if they're going to say, all right, Ryan Watts has been that good, he's going to be boundary side corner without any help, I guarantee you they will test it. That's what Iowa State did. They tested it too with Hunter Deckers. It's a smart move. If they're not going to help that guy, why wouldn't you test out and see if he's having a a bad day? Maybe he's having an off day. If he is, that whole entire defense can be discombobulated, if you will. So it's a good point about Ryan Watts. We know how key he is, but the biggest – a factor on defense for Texas will be the interior D-line, and it will be their rush defense. And it, and, it, and I think TCU, and like I said, I, I just looking at the game plans for both teams, I would not doubt if TCU comes out, throws the ball to open up the run and throws it first to open up the run rather than running your head into a brick wall, getting behind the chains, and getting to predictable passing situations on third and long against Texas because Texas' run defense is that damn good. Texas should be ready for them to work backwards. What do you want to say? Pitching? What do they say? Pitching backwards or yeah, pitching? Pitch, yeah. yeah, that's basically what. Not throwing my fastball, but throwing my curveball in fastball counts. Exactly. Yep. That I wouldn't doubt if you saw basically yep. TCU do that and say, "Nah, we're gonna throw it on first down. We're gonna yep. throw it early." Um, as a matter of fact, they, they they have more passes thrown on first down than they do any other down. Actually, right. They throw the ball a ton early on on first down, so I wouldn't doubt if you do see them throw it to open up the run, um, whether that be RPO or short, quick game, high percentage, and then they can throw Texas off a little bit, and you can attack the biggest weakness for Texas, which is their pass defense. Mm-hmm. Have Texas adapt or have Texas, you know, adjust to that, and then that'll soften them up and make them weaker inside. Either way, Texas is going to have to win with light boxes. And that's why I think the defensive line, the defensive front, and Jalen Ford, who are right now your best assets on defense, They'll they'll be burdened, overly burdened, um, with with a lot of responsibility and having to stop the run game. And I think they're up to the task. Um, the question is, it's the pass defense. <laughs> are the Texas DBs up to the task? Right. Best wide receiving core you're going to face all year. Maybe the one of the best, you know, other than Bryce Young, and I'm trying to think of the other quarterbacks they face. I mean, this might be second best QB you face in terms of how he's playing. Up to this point, absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely. Bryce Young is obviously in a different discussion, but yeah. who's Hunter Decker's played really well. I know but, he's but, not considered a great quarterback, but, but he's yeah. played. I think he's it was, played, a, it was yeah. like his best game of the season, I By believe. Far. Uh, I believe it's Adrian Martinez's best passing game of the season, too. That's not a trend you want to keep going. So I, I think for, for Texas pass defense, they got to be ready to for, for them to 
work backwards, if you will, and come out throwing rather mm-hmm. than running. Yeah. I think I think TCU are smart enough to look at Texas rush defense, unlike K State, and go, "Well, hell, I'm not just going to run into that." Right. <laughs> Those dudes are the no. bi- they the business. They the real deal. Yeah, because think, the numbers dictate that numbers that's dictate what they that. look like. Yeah. I think Texas deserves the respect of teams going, nah, I'm going to throw it open up the run. Yep. That's, we got a much better chance of success than running against Texas. I love it. Yeah, so I, I, I Texas should be ready for that, though. So if PK gets surprised by them throwing open up the run, that would be a disappointment. Because yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that that's what they could and should do. Mm. All right, so uh, we'll get back to some Texas uh, TCU preview and breakdown all week long. Obviously, that's what we've been discussing and breaking down. All right, uh, O.J. Simpson. Come on, a rental? Yeah, man. He was actually a topic of discussion for Chris Rock last yeah, night. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think O.J. is always a topic of discussion uh, when <laughs> comedians. Uh, I think 80% of comedians still have a O.J. Simpson punchline somewhere in there in their repertoire. But we'll talk about O.J.'s uh, plea, uh, his, his plea to the Bills fans. Also, Cameron Dicker, once again— I I think he made a little history too. We got to talk about he that on the side, but also, and how is it hard to remember the name of a kicker named Dicker? Come on, man! It's pretty damn easy. Find okay? your joy. Find your joy. We'll come back and discuss <laughs> that, and we're right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful down the horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams uh, from a soundtrack of a movie that inspired my man Patrick and obviously paying tribute to uh, Texas's uh, big football weekend coming up against TCU. Another team that represents the purple kryptonite in purple talking about purple rain uh that's obviously why he was inspired so today's uh focus and feature of midweek movie music purple rain that's right a movie that Harge has watched in the last two weeks <laughs> yeah. and, and most me, of y'all like i ain't watched that movie in 20 years yeah but i, but I bet you they're gonna make it on their list uh yeah no apollonia never gets so Ooh. She purified herself oh. in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she can. Uh, uh, that's really not Lake Minnetonka. I don't know what it was, but man, I remember Abalonia. For sure. Damn, that was amazing. She's amazing. Oh, yeah, she, she was. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen her lately. She in her, in her heyday. No, no hey, don't matter. We're living in the past. <laughs> that's living right. Speaking uh, of living in the past, OJ Simpson. <laughs> living in the past. Yeah, well, I don't know if he wants, well, way in the past. Yeah, he wants <laughs> to pass up some of that other stuff that happened to him. Uh, but OJ Simpson, he is a, of course, former Buffalo. Buffalo Bill, but also a Buffalo Bills fan. And he has had, you know, I hate when OJ Simpson makes sense, and I hate when I agree with OJ. Mm. But I agree with OJ Simpson here. OJ Simpson went out uh, via Twitter and posted a video uh, pleading with the Buffalo Bills to develop a running game and quit exposing their quarterback, Josh Allen, uh, with uh, all of the design runs and obviously with him scrambling and saying that he knew that when he hit his elbow that it was going to be a serious issue. And he also said that the Buffalo Bills, in terms of the running backs they do have, they do a bad job of allowing the running backs to get in the groove. I mean, they rotate them way too much. Um, he says you got to allow uh, a running back to almost compute and start uh, you know, gathering data and computing data every down, every time they get the football. Mm-hmm. And he said that's how you end up breaking runs because you learn, oh, that linebacker, he he hits the gap this way or he approaches this run this way, he overruns this run every time. And if I don't get those reps, 
All right. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, those revolutions to learn exactly what that linebacker, what that safety going to do, what their angle is going to be. I'm never going to pop it. And he makes a good right. point about that, actually. OJ, Correct. I know. I hate when OJ makes a good point, but OJ made a good point. I hate agreeing with I mean, OJ. He was a great running back, so he totally understands. He is a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner. He's does a, he still have his trophy? He's a Hall of Famer. Okay. And does? he's a, yeah. Uh, right. I don't know if he does. You does know? He? But does he have a Heisman? I, I they think he from? does. I oh, mean, that's probably no. when he went to go fight and get it back. Maybe he yeah, stole it back. That's when he went to jail for it. Yeah, yeah he, he had to go get it back. Yeah, that's right. So, so I'm, I'm. hey, listen, when it comes to affairs on the field, Orenthal does definitely know what's going on. Yeah. So everything else off the field, yeah, can't can't always agree with him. But when it comes <laughs> to football conversation, you got to at least give it a listen because separate the two and understand what the man is talking about, and it does make a lot of sense. We've been talking about that for a long time. Everybody's been talking about that. We've been I'm talking glad, about yeah. the fact they don't have a running game, which you keep thinking that you can run him as come. the. He, that is your bell cow. It's going to cost you. Yes. It may cost you a little. <laughs> it, it may, may cost, cost you a lot, lot, but it's going to cost there you. There it is. And I always said, having a dual-threat quarterback like a Josh Allen and, and even you know Lamar Jackson, I love those guys. It's kind of like dating a stripper. It's really exciting and really fun, but there aren't a lot of long-term ex- examples of, of success. Of, you know what I mean, reach, yep. reaching that ultimate goal, which yep. is to win the Super Bowl. Correct. Right? It's Steve Young and Russell Wilson. That's it. Yep. And I, I know I'm, I'm not saying that, oh, man, that you can't have that guy as your franchise quarterback. I'm not saying. I'm just documenting mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of examples of long-term saying nope. reaching that ultimate goal, which is to win a Super Bowl with a dual-threat quarterback. That's why it's like dating a stripper. Not a lot of strippers get married while they're stripping. They end up leaving a stripping world and then getting married. Go look at the amount of strippers that are out there that are actually married. It's just, you know, it doesn't work. It's uh, exciting, though, to yeah. date a stripper. They might be in a different type of relationship, though. Yeah, yeah well, I'm just saying, there like, you <laughs> when, you, when you date a stripper, you usually don't marry the stripper while she's dating. It's hard right. to take her home to mom. Yep. Because then mom's like, oh, so what do you do? And you're like, she's in well, entertainment business. Yeah, mama don't want to hear OnlyFans. Is, is she a talent? <laughs> mom makes it. Oh, mom. Yeah, she's definitely talented. Mama ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> mama ain't trying to hear that. So, hey, man. Uh, yeah, there you go. OJ. OJ Simpson with uh, with sage advice. How there about it is. that? There um, it is. I mean, did OJ do it, in your opinion? Do you think OJ did uh, it? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, you did really? What? <laughs> what? Just curious. He's still searching, though. Uh, he is looking for the killer. Yeah, technically, technically, I believe he did write yeah. a book about what if I did it. Come on, man. I think it was literally was called What If I Did It. Yeah, it was called If I Did It. If yeah, I did but it, yeah. Yeah. just remember this. <laughs> what a just remember this. Sociopath. There's no double jeopardy in this situation for OJ. That's why he wrote If. I did it. That step was why. By he, step. That's why he went to jail though for the other stuff too. That's they were waiting for they were something waiting else. On OJ. They I like, can't get you for this. No, but I'm gonna get. May cost you a little. <laughs> yeah, may cost you a lot. But it's gonna cost like you. Rock say, OJ Simpson <laughs> can't kill two white people in America and nothing happened to you. What's wrong with you? Unless you're OJ. Unless you're OJ Simpson. He's like that's why OJ is like infamous around here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody else infamous is Dicker the kicker. Yes, sir. Uh, he had a game-winning field goal mm-hmm. this past weekend yep. for the Chargers. Yep. And they had just signed him because their kicker got hurt. It is the second time that he has been special teams player of the week, one in the NFC and one in the AFC. The one in the NFC was for the Philadelphia Eagles. He got signed, went in, made the game-winning kick, got let go right after that, just signed with the L.A. Chargers. Wow. And, of course, nobody on the team knew the name. No, well, we had and it's a, there's video of it. So here it is. Here's the idiot. audio. Hey, I know I'm I'm mic'd up and this this is up, but what's our kicker's name? 
Kicker. Our kicker. Our new one. What is his name? No, 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 no. I'm not. I know he can make it. I'm talking about his name though. Dicker. Dicker the kicker. Dicker the kicker. That's what they call him. Yeah, he's confident. I'm that guy. Yeah, he's confident. This is game over. I can tell. Game over. For the win. Dicker in his Chargers debut. Dang. Is the hero. Let's go. Let's go. Dicker the kicker. Yeah, how do you forget that? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so Dicker simple. Dicker the kicker. It's easy. It's so simple. Uh, Dicker. Did they not hear <clears throat> Gus Johnson talk about Dicker the kicker? I mean, every <laughs> announcer's favorite kicker is Dicker the kicker. Exactly. Uh, he appeared in week five with Philadelphia and converted yep. a game-winning 23-yard field goal with yep. 145 remaining in that contest. Uh, and, of course, he hit the game winner uh, this past week for the L.A. Chargers. He is the third rookie kicker since 1970 to convert a game-winning field goal in the final two minutes of regulation or an overtime for two different teams in a single season. Two different teams. Brian Johnson did it actually in 2021, and Matt McCrane did it in 2018. Winning. There you go. Winning. Dicker's going to get a job somewhere. I mean, he's eventually himself, you would yeah, think, yeah, man, I'm like, what is the holdup? He's proving himself And financially, clutch. it's a great move. Well, Because well, yeah. he doesn't cost you much. Well, and, yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> and Dicker the kicker. I just right. think it's, you it's know. great marketability well, and for you. And he can you. punt and kick. Thank you. You can do both. You can save money. You can do both, yeah. And he's very effective yeah. with both of those. Yeah, he's like Mattress Mac. He'll save yeah. you money. <laughs> right, we'll come back. We'll get into the last hour of the show right here on Ball Don't Lie. We'll water for it out the horn.